Welcome to the Church at Lake Mead, and this is our sermon podcast. Today is January 2nd, and Pastors Brad Blakely and Mike Nay start off the new year with a message on the parable of the sower. Let's take a listen. Well, good morning. Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to uh, the Church at Lake Mead. I'm Pastor Brad, and this is Pastor Mike. If you are new, we had a lot of guests over the Christmas uh, holiday, and we know some are, are returning. And so we just want to thank you for being with us. Those that are here, um, some of you may have made a New Year's resolution to be at church. So thank you for being here. Some of yeah. you are watching online. We want to recognize you. Uh, today, we're going to just do kind of a, a standalone sermon for the new year. We are going to start a new series next week, but we wanted just to kind of share um, just a, a thought for the new year today. We're really excited about it. We're going to look at the parable of the sower. So uh, we'll be in the book of Matthew. And, yeah. yeah. Look at this, uh, what Jesus said. He was commenting to a crowd to stop. Things are really busy. I know you're running 100 miles an hour. And here's what he says in those moments. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. This moment of just slowing down and considering, and we have a difficult time doing that because anytime we are at a standstill, it's usually we do this, right? And we don't consider, like spend some time thinking, mm. right? And so I'm inviting you to do that today. Do we have any nature uh, um, enthusiasts? Like you love going hiking, you love going camping. We got a couple of you in the room. Um, and, and so what is amazing in scripture is this invite from the creator to consider creation, like to stop and think like the lilies, to really like consider, and not solely for the appreciation of how beautiful creation can be, but that it, it would draw our hearts in wonder of the creator. So we would appreciate the beauty of the creation and then it would point our hearts to the creator. And so parents, it's amazing how many opportunities you and I have with our children to, to see and observe something and then point to Jesus. So there are a lot of opportunities where we have before us in nature where we observe something and we can acknowledge it and then point to our, our creator. But not only for our children, but for you and I, for us to, to notice these love letters from, our, from Yahweh that, that continue to point to who he is. So, so when we see the sun rising every morning, we're reminded of his faithfulness. That's what I believe Hosea said that. That when we see the birds uh, and, and we hear them and we see them picking up food off the ground, we realize, oh, he's a great provider. I can rest this anxious heart about provision. If he can, can take care of, uh, of a sparrow, he's got me, right? So here's the thought exercise. It might take some moments to think through. And I, children, I invite you to do the same. Let's do a little bit of imagination. Think about a beautiful place you've been. Consider a piece of that, uh, of that beauty. And then how does it remind you of God's character? Yeah. All right, children, so what you're doing is you're thinking about nature, like, like water or the sun or clouds or all those things. And what will it remind you about God? Like, what does it say about God? All right, turn to somebody beside you, whether a stranger or family, and tell them what it was. What's the thing that prompted you that, that you thought about some good conversations happening. It, yes. Isn't that like, if you've been there, it, that's incredible, that image. Uh, 
The reminder today is a discussion about soils and seed. So we're looking, we're going to have a talk about uh, about soil, about ground and seeds. We're going to invite kiddos to keep on joining us in the conversation. Um, and, and Jesus is going to tell us a story about these, uh, these two natural things. Uh, and he's going to draw our hearts towards him. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. Awesome. All right. So... You know, it wasn't that long ago, a couple generations ago, that many of the world's population or most of the world's population was directly connected to the soil, to the land. You know, we live in the desert. We live in the modern era, you know, post the industrial age. And um, so many of us aren't dependent on our garden to survive. If we would, we'd all be starving in here, especially those who live in Nevada. Now, my parents, my dad, he, he, he grew up in the Midwest in Ohio, a couple of years ago, he had it in his mind. He was going to do this garden. So he built this giant structure in his backyard, put a um, shade over it, grew all kinds of stuff. And about the only persons that were fed from that, that garden were the, were the local bunny rabbits. Which, oh, nice. Which did kind of help the local, you know, ecosystem because I noticed the coyotes also. And it's kind of interesting what happened over there. God provided. God provided. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we got much out of that garden. Anyway, uh, but this parable that we're going to look at this morning would have been just common coin for everyone listening. This is a, an easy uh, application to God's truth. So let's look at it. We're in, we're in Matthew 13. Look what Jesus taught uh, in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables saying, and here's his first parable. A farmer went out to sow seeds. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. So some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because of the, so the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Others fell among thorns, which grew up, choked the plants. Still others' seed fell on good ground, good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So this is, the, this is known to us as the parable of the sower. You could also call it, it's been also called the parable of the four kinds of ground. <clears throat> and so Jesus is teaching this parable and he had been in the house with his disciples shortly before that. And he'd been having a discussion with his disciples. And, and so he goes outside, there's a crowd gathered and Jesus, it's so big, the crowd is so large that he can't just kind of, be there teaching. He has to go into that boat. And you may, may have seen like a kind of a, maybe a movie portraying this. Jesus is out and he's teaching the crowd uh, this parable. So I want you for just a second before we dive into the actual meaning of the parable and how Jesus teaches it. I want you just to try to put your, your feet into the, into the sandal of one of the disciples. Be Peter for a minute. Be, be James or John or whoever. And I want you to think like they might think and ask the question that they're going to ask. And here's the question. Here's the thought. Jesus, this is your big day, right? 
I mean, we have a crowd. Come on, have you been a part of something like that? Maybe your company started a new uh, branch and you were there for the, the ribbon ceremony and there's a crowd. Maybe um, you were a part of uh, when this building was built a couple of five years ago now, and it was exciting. People were coming to check out the building. I think we had the mayor here and there's important people, you know, taking pictures or whatever, you know, and there's a crowd, it's, it's, it's happening. There's, there's Christmas Eve, there was a crowd of people, right? This is a, a moment, if you're a disciple of Jesus, for the Jesus movement to get some traction with people, with a crowd. So it's a big day for Jesus. Undoubtedly, the, 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 the miracles, the rumors about who he is is spread and, and there's an interested group. And instead of teaching them clearly about what they need to hear about who he is, his identity, what his plans are, how he's gonna take Rome on and straighten this whole thing out. Instead of that, he talks about some, some farmer with some seeds. And it's frustrating if you're Peter or James or John, especially because you've hitched your wagon to Jesus and you're excited about where he's headed because you know he's the Messiah, at least that's what you think. And he isn't delivering on his big day. And so look what Jesus, the, the disciples ask Jesus in the next verse. He says, why do you speak to the people in parables? This is so frustrating. Why are you speaking to the people in parables? Now we're gonna look at his answer and it's gonna prepare us. It's gonna lay the groundwork, no pun intended, for our sermon today, because this is powerful stuff. He answers that direct question, maybe a question you've wondered. And he says this in verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you and not to them. Now it seems a little strange. It doesn't seem to square with the message of Jesus as the universal king of heaven and earth that came God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How is it that God, how is it that Jesus is giving the secrets of the kingdom just to his disciples and not to this crowd? Why? How, does, how do I understand that? How does that square with Jesus's love for all of us? And so he goes on, look what he says next. <clears throat> Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And so now we have kind of a riddle. So not only do we have parables, we got riddles going on here. What is he saying? Well, Jesus is making a point, an observation. You see the disciples are learning about Jesus's true identity. And Israel as a nation, they were expecting God's kingdom to come with this irresistible force. You gotta remember what the Jewish expectation is for the Messiah. The prophets of the Old Testament were, pre were predicting, were foreseeing a, a, manu a monumental movement, a cataclysmic arrival of the kingdom of God on earth. Daniel, the prophet, he foresaw this mountain that would be cast into the earth from heaven. And that mountain would basically level all the earthly kingdoms with an irresistible force and all the world would acknowledge who is the true king. And yet Jesus hasn't done that. He hasn't arrived that way. His kingdom is, so to speak, arriving in secret. It's this Jewish itinerant preacher from Nazareth People wonder, does anything good come from that place of Nazareth, Galilee? Some didn't even know he was born in Bethlehem. Some weren't seeing that Jesus was fulfilling these prophecies. Because in here, 
here's what I want to say today, because he's so dismissible. Jesus was a dismissible figure. He was God wrapped in dismissible human clothes, right? It's not that he wasn't man. He was fully human, but he's human. And he's dismissible. And so Jesus is teaching parables that actually complement the arrival of the kingdom. Let me try to make this, make this clear. Just as the kingdom itself is wrapped in this human body and growing in, in so to speak, secret as God's kingdom is spreading, not as the, not as the Old Testament, like as they saw it, is this, this final judgment of God coming to earth and, and sorting it all out. But instead, almost as C.S. Lewis put it, God in disguise coming. The, the parables complement that exact method. The parables match the way that the kingdom has come. It's come to us in a way that's dismissible. In fact, I think the parables perfectly balance God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Let me explain what I mean. Look at this next verse. It'll show it. Jesus says, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing and never perceiving. Hit that next one for me. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have, they have their, they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. How many of you parents know that there are times when you get really serious with your kids and your kids are in the room, you guys are here. How many of you kids have ever had your mom kind of lean down or your dad lean down to you and say, hey, really listen to me. <laughs> what I'm telling you is really important right now, right? Now, when your parents say that, when they say, hey, really listen to me, right? They're not worried that you, all of a sudden your ears have stopped working, right? <laughs> what they're worried about is that you will hear them, but you won't listen. How many of us know the difference between hearing and listening, right? Mm. And this exactly what's happening in a parable. Mm. A parable is truth. It's truth that's just being broadcast to us. And we are hearing the words coming out of Jesus's mouth, but we're not listening, Parables are an invitation to listen. And for those that want to listen, more will be given. But those who are content with just hearing will be content to leave with their little message, their little kind of experience with Jesus. And that'll be the end. And Jesus says, and what they have one day will be, even that will be taken from them. See, Jesus isn't interested in just gathering hearers that just have a nice little gathering, a nice little Sunday together, you know? He's interested in people who will be doers, who will be obeyers of God's word. In fact, this teaching about how we choose to respond to what we hear, whether we are gonna actually listen or not, is really what the parable of these four grounds is all about. Yeah. So let's dive into that. 
Yeah, so what Jesus is going to do, the disciples pull him aside. And it's interesting, the disciples are not certain many times what Jesus is saying. But what they do is they don't walk away from that. They lean in more to Jesus and say, explain more. Like, let us know more. And there is that choice there of Jesus saying something and the disciples deciding whether or not they want to lean in more to figure this out. Like, there are mysteries that we just keep leaning into and trying, okay, what do you mean by this? So Jesus is going to now explain uh, with them here in Matthew 13. Let's look at it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed that was sown along the path. So we have over here uh, a has, little bit. Has anyone been curious about what's on our table here? <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. Uh-huh. The big reveal. Here we go. Here we go. We're, we're yeah, we're, we're, uh, not great at this, are we? <laughs> at making the real reveal here. All right. Here's Jesus. He's got these four different soils that he's been discussing. And, and he starts off with this first one, this, this, this concrete path, this, this hardened path that when, when the farmer throws the seed over here, that, that it doesn't penetrate the ground. It doesn't go in at all. And so what Jesus is saying is, well, this is, this is that hard heart. This is that heart that won't even receive anything that I have to say because, because in, this crowd, in this crowd that Jesus is speaking to, many of them were only there to catch Jesus up in his words or they weren't there to be taught. They were just there for a show. And, and there is this unteachable spirit that, that can kind of settle into a heart and no one can tell them what to do or, or explain anything to them or give any kind of knowledge. That, that could start out like there's, and some of us could attest of that kind of testimony uh, of our lives where at some point we didn't want to listen to anybody. No, anything anyone had to say was of no worth to us. And there is that approach to even the gospel of what Jesus has to say. Like there was, that there is no worth in the words that he spoke. And, and so it just falls on this hard ground and it never takes root and it never grows. It just stays in, as a seed on a hard ground. But if we're not careful, and as we look at each of these uh, church parents, adults, uh, and children, we can look at a couple of these moments and we can say, oh, I remember when. And we've had some of those moments. Some of us are maybe in one of these places. And I invite you to, like, Holy Spirit, soften mm-hmm. my heart yes. as we begin to talk about this. So even that hard heart, there is a moment where just there's just this growing up of a hard heart. And there's also these times where circumstances and situations and rejection and loss can begin to callous this heart more and more and more so that my heart can no longer see God as who he truly is. Mm. And there are times even as there are people who have, been in faith, have had faith and they walk into a church and they really are hurt by, by maybe a pastor or, or a church body and then it happens again and again and then that defines the gospel to them and they no longer are open to it. And so this is Jesus talking about the hard heart or these, the enemy stealing those, the, those seeds away and it never takes root. Let's go on to the second one. So let's look at the next one. Next one is Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So this person starts out good. Man, they, they, they get excited about meeting Jesus. Maybe they've come to church and they've, they've seen the community. They've experienced the love 
Um, they're a part of it. Maybe they grew up in a church and they had these moments where they took these steps with Jesus. Notice so it says, but since they have no root because of the rocks in their ground, they don't have that root. It doesn't go beyond the surface. It doesn't penetrate deep. Here's the point. They don't have a deep interpersonal relationship with Jesus, right? They just have the support system of people around them. But look what happens when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of following Jesus, they quickly fall away. So in this one, they, they would have what you would just call external faith. It's a faith that it looks good for the short time, or the short term, but if those externals are pulled away, they're just gonna wilt. This refers to maybe as a young person, you grew up going to church and your parents took you to church every day. And maybe you're right now, you're listening to me. Let me tell you, young people, listen, Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. Jesus wants to know you personally and he wants you to know him intimately. Hmm. He wants you to go on a love journey with him where he is invited into the deepest places of your life. And even if your mom or dad doesn't take you to church, you're going. Even if no one else, none of your friends have any interest, you are rooted in Christ. You're rooted in Jesus. And if the externals are taken away, you're firmly planted in Christ. Don't be someone with rocky ground in your heart. Can I get an amen to that yeah. church? Come yeah. on. Hmm. We want our young people to follow Jesus because they have encountered him, not because mom or dad tells them to, but because they know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when the trouble comes, and I just want to say this, maybe you're in a, an ex, a, a time of trouble right now. Maybe you're in a time where it's really hard to follow Jesus and you're wondering, where are you at, God? Why are you allowing this into my life? It feels dry. It feels difficult. It feels like you're far away. Listen, don't have a rocky heart response to persecution. Don't have a rocky heart response to difficulty. Have a good ground response. Have an, a rooted response to say, Jesus, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not here just when you bless me the way I want you to. I'm not in this relationship for what you can give to me. You've already given me everything I could ever ask when you gave yourself on the cross. I am rooted in Jesus for good times and bad times. I'm not going anywhere because you didn't go, come on somebody, because you didn't go anywhere. You stayed faithful. Help me to stay faithful. Yeah. Help me to have good ground in this yeah. heart. Yeah. I'm not letting the persecution of 2022, whatever we face, I'm not letting that cause my, my plant to wilt. I'm rooted in Jesus. That's, yeah. that's God's will for your life, church. That's God's will for both of us, Mike. Yeah. yeah. All right. For this next one, uh, parents of real littles or young ones, um, if you want to just have this discussion real quickly, what, when you plant something and other things grow around it, what do we call those other things? So, yeah. Oh, what'd you got, Nico? Weeds, yeah, that's right. So they, they come up and they, they destroy that plant, right? They take away all the good things from that plant. And so here we have, we've got this thorny, this thorny soil. The, this, this plant tried to grow. And then, then all of these plant, these weeds and these, these thorns just sucked the life out of it. And what Jesus says is this about it. Let's look at the seed falling from the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but they worry about this life. And the deceitfulness of wealth, they ch it just chokes them out, making it unfruitful. There, there are two things that Jesus is saying here. I know you've worried a lot in the last couple of years. And maybe some of you have worried a lot, like it's just like a propensity, uh, an anxiousness. 
And you could agree with me as someone who's worried that when I worry, I cannot think about how great Jesus is, right? Like not at the exact same time. Now I could, as I'm worried, I'm like, oh Jesus, I am full of anxiety in this. Can you please help me in this moment? There is that. But if I just ruminate on all the things that are horrific and just destructive and like, oh, all the what ifs, like what if 2022 is similar to 21 and 20, right? Like I can be consumed by that or allowing that seed to just deep rooted in Jesus and say, okay, you've taken care of the birds. You've got me. There are believers who have walked through really difficult things in the last 2,000 years, and you've been faithful to them. I can rest in this. The second part is this comfort. I know we are comfortable here. Uh, I've been in places, you are, we are sitting in comfortable seats. I've been in places uh, where believers gather together and the seats were not comfortable and they're there for three or four hours together. Um, And I'm not saying anything's bad with comfort. Comfort is good. It's a gift from God. But what happens sometimes is comfort, if it's taken away, or if that's all I pursue, it takes my heart from the Savior. It has this this competitive nature in it. Now, Jesus isn't saying to be wealthy is to be bad or wrong. He, you'll see that in other scriptures. That, that those who have, have had, who have are very generous with it. And that's the response of a believer who has wealth. But what he is saying is wealth, and you know it, we don't have to, I don't have to define this much more. It can distract us from others. It can destroy relationships, can it not? Mm-hmm. Especially my relationship with the Father. And so he's saying, okay, there are things that can, that can draw your attention that take you away from the one true thing, Jesus. And finally, the good ground, look at verse 23. It says, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Remember we talked about earlier, it's not just being able to like your, the auditory function work and works. Yes, I can hear. That's not the problem. It's not that we can't hear. It's that we're not understanding. What that means is we're not applying what we're hearing. We're not listening, right? Parents, you get that, right? Mm. right? That's the problem. I know my kids can hear my voice. Sometimes I wonder, but I know they can hear my voice. The problem is they're not listening. They're not understanding. In the Bible, it's always connected to obedience. It's not, it's, it's, it's the fact that my heart is not obeying. Here's the point. Someone with good soil is someone who says, Jesus is king. Let me ask you a question. If I ask your closest couple of friends, do you, does this person referring to you, do they live as if Jesus is king? What would they say? If you're married and I ask your spouse, do they live in the private moments of their life when no one else is around, you know them better than anyone, do they live as if Jesus is king? Someone with good soil lives as if Jesus is king because guess what people? He is king. Can I get an amen to that? He is king, Hmm. right? So someone who's leaning into the kingdom, someone who's like Mike said a minute ago, the parable's an invitation. Are you gonna lean in and want more? Or are you satisfied with the surface? The point is, is someone who's leaning in and wants more, there's someone who comes, becomes increasingly convinced that as improbable as it seems, 
This dismissible figure from Nazareth is actually God in human form. This person who, who was spit upon, whose beard was pulled out, who was nailed to a cross is actually, if you can believe this, God come to earth to rescue us mm. from the curse and penalty of our sin. Yeah. That's who we're talking about here. Yeah. And guess what, friends? He's king. Yeah. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. He's king. Mm. And the king is going to return. And someone with good soil is someone who lives as if Jesus is already on the throne. Because like I said earlier, he is. Does that make sense? That's yeah. the good soil. Yeah. So here's our big idea, just really as, as clearly as we can put it this morning for you. God feeds the hungry. God always feeds the spiritually hungry. And so the question that we ask ourselves this morning is, am I hungry? Hmm. Am I someone who's hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Is my heart hard? The, the seed that the, the sower is trying to feed me with just bounces off and instead feeds the, earth, the, the birds or whatever, right? Is the seed falling on rocky ground? And is, is my faith superficial? It's only, it's only gonna last as long as people around me are following Jesus. But when it gets hard, I'm gone. Is my, is, is, is my soils, the heart of my life, is it, is, it, is it filled with other things competing for the kingdom? Or is it good ground? God feeds the hungry. Are you hungry this morning? Man, are you, are you thirsty? And see, this is the point. This is the challenge for 2021 or 2022. Hmm. I want to cultivate a heart that is hungry for yeah. God. Yeah. I want, I want as, much as, this, as much as this equation lies on me, I'm gonna be someone who pursues God. If I'm in a place right now where if I'm being honest, I am far away from pursuing God, then the first prayer I'm gonna pray is for the Holy Spirit to give me a desire to follow God. Yeah. God, make me hungry. Look what it says in Matthew chapter five. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Yeah, yeah. So this, this last one is a soft heart that, that we would, you and I, would continually like go before our creator and say, soften this heart. I can feel it callousing. You've been there. You can start to see the signs of a calloused heart. Like this last year, are there more people you've been angry with than ever before? Are there more people who become others and you are in a different camp? I mean, that, that's a sign like, oh, my heart is starting to harden. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, Father, all you ask of me is to love my neighbor and to love you. And there are quick assessments to determine how I'm loving my neighbor if we're just slow enough to consider, slow enough to like reflect. And it's not meant to be a heavy weight. It's just certainly a heavy cross, right? He calls us to a cross, right? To die. Um, but then he gives us the Holy Spirit to make it possible. It's not by my own strength. I cannot muster up all of this within myself. It just is so limited. I am a limited creation and I need the source of the Holy Spirit to do the work in me. And so here's what I want you to do. Parents, if you have your kids with you, 
adults, if you have your, or parents, if you have your teenagers with you, if you have a good friend with you, a spouse, somebody you could text right now, I want us to do this in response. I want us to really consider and reflect on a few things. How much are you leaning into Jesus? Is there something up here that represents you right now in this season right now? And then this request of the Holy Spirit over 2022 to say, okay, help me to lean into you more. Help me to transition. Maybe there's a part in here that you need to transition. If you are in this soft heart, help me to cultivate because I cannot sustain this on my own. Holy Spirit, cultivate this in me that my heart would become more and more shaped like Jesus. That I just constantly, so we're gonna do that in a moment. We're gonna reflect. Maybe, maybe this is a posture of confession for you. Maybe you're confessing, I don't have an appetite for spiritual things. And I confess this, I want an appetite for spiritual things. Do you remember as a kid, you didn't like certain foods? And then you eventually did. Maybe there's some of you who still don't like mushrooms. Uh, the, the, but there is a development of a palate where it starts to like, oh, that tastes better and better. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? So if we are feeding ourselves junk food of this world, then our palate is not ready for spiritual things. We just, it doesn't have, like we just aren't enjoying that, right? So you gotta consider the things that you watch. Like I'm, I grew up in a church where everything was evil, okay? And, uh, and so I'm not saying that Netflix is evil, but I am saying this, if you are developing a palate for worldly things, spiritual things won't taste good. So, so consider the things you're watching. Consider the, what you're introducing to your children if you have kids in your house or teenagers if you have teen. There are times just because something has been created doesn't mean I have to try to enjoy it, right? So if a movie's been made and I realize, and we, there are gifts, like you can look at all the things of what's on a movie. You can do that in advance and you could say, that's not for me because it's going to only whet my appetite for non-spiritual things, right? So what we do is we say, okay, I, wanna, I want to develop an appetite for spirituality. I want to develop an appetite of where true life is. And so I'm going to transition this palette to this over here, and it's going to take some work. Listen, I know some of you have signed up for a gym this month, <laughs> and you're hoping it will go beyond January, right? Me too. Um, it's gonna take some hard work to get beyond January. And you may have to get a good friend that's gonna keep you accountable. Let's do that with spiritual things, right? Like, let's just like, okay, I'm gonna separate this. I'm gonna set myself apart. I'm gonna like, Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to do this work because this isn't gonna be easy, but I want a palette for things of God. Would we do that? Parents, you could have time this, this year when you're sitting at a table and you're eating, and let's say it's zucchini, and maybe they don't have to eat all of it, they eat one bite, you notice a seed there, and you say, hey, Jesus said something about a seed. And you just begin to, you may not know everything. Um, that's good you don't. Kids don't want you to know everything necessarily. But you could say at least that. Jesus talked about a seed being like, like a, the gospel. And then you could remember that you would take opportunities this year. Maybe that's a, a, a good goal this year. 
to talk about Jesus more with your kids. You're in the car, you're driving, you see a bird and you think, or you, you say out loud, you know, Jesus said that God takes care of the sparrow. Or you're walking outside and you hear a bunch of birds sing and you got your child with you and you, and you think like St. Francis and you say, oh, the birds are worshiping God right now. Let's join in on this, Amen. right? So let's take the last couple minutes of just reflection. Maybe you lean into a family member or friend and you just pray, God develop in me more of an appetite for you. Because Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for him, you will be filled. So lean into somebody. If you're alone, you, you, if you're solo today, you could text somebody or even just type out a prayer that says, help me to be more hungry and thirsty for you. If you're new to faith and you're, you're like, I don't know about all this, maybe you pray this. Father or God, I have no desire for you. Sometimes we take for granted <clears throat> that God is near. We take for granted an opportunity to respond. Jesus told us today that there's coming a day where even that which you have will be taken away. The opportunity's over. This is our moment to respond. 2022 is right in front of us. We have a choice. What kind of heart are we gonna have? I wanna just pray a blessing over our church to start this new year. Would you just stand with me as I just pray a blessing over us? And I'm gonna just ask the Lord to just make 2022 a year where God just reveals himself to us in powerful ways and that we respond to the voice of the master. Would you just kind of stretch out your hand if you're feeling comfortable with that? Let's just pray together. Father, I just pray a blessing over our church. I pray a blessing over each member that's here today, each person that's gathered, even online. Lord, I pray for people that are just here in this place. 2020 and 2021 have been difficult years. We don't know what a day brings forth. We don't know what tomorrow is gonna bring, but God, we know you hold tomorrow. We trust in you. Our heart, Father, is yours. You hold us in your hands. We declare that, we believe that. We pray right now against the plans the enemy might have. We pray against things that would try to steal the seed out of our hearts. God, we ask you by an infusion of your Holy Spirit to develop holiness in us. Make us more like Jesus. Cultivate in us a heart after you. Remove the thorns and the rocks and any of the hard places in our heart. May we be responsive to your Holy Spirit. When you say go, God, may we just run. May we be people who obey, not just hear. May we be a church known for our love and our good works, Lord. May we be a people that put our yes on the table and that live as if Jesus is King, because we declare, Jesus, you are King. And the church at Lake Mead says, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. We pray you have an incredible week and we'll see you next week as we kick off a new series.